And it was a really tough decision actually to make to go back into a corporation, especially one without affiliation. The reason I took that job is because very much for the re- same reasons I joined AXA, these uh, DESA systems create software that's behind almost all of the world's manufacturing processes. It's not a company people know very well because it's entirely B2B, but they uh, it's the software with which all of the airplanes in the world are designed with with. of all cars, about 70% of all consumer goods. So basically, this is the software that designs the the physical world around us. And we're at a stage in history where uh, our planetary systems are basically collapsing. And we have probably less than 10 years to change the way we produce goods and consume goods. And so I made a conscious choice to go back into the corporate world and try to sort of move this company um, thinking that if you can move this company, you can move the manufacturing industry globally, and this there's very little time to move it, and this is maybe one of the one of the enablers to get that done. Welcome to this is forty. I'm Reds, and I turned forty recently, as did my co-host and friend Alexia. We're actually both entrepreneurs living in Paris, and we were a little overwhelmed with it all, to be honest. We thought, what if we could tap into the wisdom, the humor, the fears, the resilience, and the beauty of all of the 40-year-olds we knew? Wouldn't that be something? And that's how This Is 40 was born. A show where we talk to some of the most fun, brilliant, resilient, creative people in our everyday lives who made a decisive change in their way of living, thinking, and being in the world, for the better mostly, as they hit their 40th. Hey, I'm Alexia. And I'm Renz, and we're your hosts. Join us in listening to our guests as they open up their hearts and share their experience of turning 40 and the gifts it brought them. And we ask you, what is 40 to you? Our guest today is Alice Stinland, a woman who gets stakeholders to make bold leadership moves by sharing her true passion for social good and for the sustainability space. She began a career in healthcare consulting after receiving a degree in human biology at Stanford University. And she has since then worked with large multinationals, NGOs, ratings agencies, consulting firms, startups, and multilaterals. She's worked both in the US and in Europe on projects with global impact. I recently described Alice to a friend of mine as a woman with a vision, with passion and integrity, the kind that will leave no stone unturned until she finds a solution to a problem that she will have identified way before you do. And we can do that with a unique kind of confidence that comes with being in your 40s and having a whole industry knowing of your worth. Alice has been using this out-of-the-box thinking to help support the launch of disruptive business models because she's absolutely convinced that the future of sustainability lies in innovating new products, services, economic models, and that the future of innovation lies in solving real-world social and environmental challenges. Oh, and did I mention that she's a mother to three young adorable daughters? 
and that she could probably write the next Paris by Bicycle guidebook? You guys are in for a treat. Enjoy! Hi Alice, welcome to This is 40, the podcast where we interview the brightest minds that we have um, around us. We're really excited to have you on our show. So Alice, biking Paris. Biking seems to be your mode of transport. Can we say that it's maybe more your quiet time, your time to reflect, but also maybe your chance for you to put your sustainability practice into action? <laughs> I think that's actually been one of the things I've missed during the lockdown is the biking, which I think is going to pick up throughout the city and throughout the world more uh, post-COVID because people are going to be doing more of that, especially in concentrated cities. It is sort of break between what is your work day and then and then what is your home life is, is an important transition. And that was really part of it for me. So it let, gave me time to think. It gave me time to yell at, at the automobile drivers also, which was... <laughs> fun in Paris. But yeah, it's and it's I think in terms of being a symbol of sustainability, like I said, it will become more common, but it was not when I started doing it. And it was sort of an act of, you know, showing people around me that it's possible to do it and it's not a big deal and we should all start. Alice, you were just telling us a bit about your life in Paris and about the your mode of transportation there. I know that alongside your French husband, Laurent, you're raising three young daughters. You are both involved parents. You are active citizens. You're caring friends. Uh, clearly, busy doesn't even start to describe you in your life. Could you paint a picture for us of a, of a day in your life? Oh, yeah. I think, I'm not sure I'm busier than anyone else. I think being busy is a little, it's like a purse, you know, you get a bigger purse and it's still filled up and you get a small purse and it's still filled up. I think everybody is busy. I think the three children, three small children is a lot of physical work. So we don't get enough sleep and that impacts, I think, everything. But days, I, I work in sustainability. So I, I get to work on lots of different things and do lots of different things. So working on sort of responsible investment issues with the investor community and then working on recycling issues with facilities people and joining conferences and speaking about sustainability, you know, more generally. I did that this morning. I was up at 6.30 doing a, a conference for my company on responsible mining and, and sustainable mining and what that means. And then let's see, and now I have you guys. I will connect with an old friend later today also. So that's, I'm looking forward to that. And, and then a lot of just, you know, what everybody else does, a lot of meetings and things like that in between. And then the real hard work starts in the evening when we come home and we spend time with the kids. But a lot of people and a lot of women are in that, that same situation. And we're very lucky to have a support around us and caring friends also and, and a wonderful nanny also who helps do everything. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without her. So I, I'm very grateful and realize that we actually have a, I'm in a position of extreme uh, privilege. Alice, you're, as they say in French, like formidable. Like you are driven by an incredible sense of purpose. As in you put the global impact of your role and your employer's role often before your own comfort. You've mentioned that not every opportunity comes dressed as one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think part of getting older and and just getting to know yourself better is being very sort of conscious of the choices you're making because you know what the impact will be 
you know what the impact will be on you, or at least you understand it a little bit better. And I think working in sustainability in particular, you have sort of, you know, so it's kind of a purpose-driven field or mission-driven field. I mean, people aren't in this field by accident. You choose it because you're passionate about it. It's sort of a mix of being an activist and an ideologue, but also a pragmatist. And, you know, you're able to work with sort of, you know, in corporates or outside of corporates and and you're trying to achieve a sort of a bigger goal. It doesn't necessarily matter the vehicle that you use, but each vehicle comes with advantages and disadvantages. This is the second sort of corporate sustainability job I have taken. So I am the head of sustainability at Dasso Systems, which is a software company. The reason I took that job is because very much for the same reasons I joined AXA, these DESA systems create software that's behind almost all of the world's manufacturing processes. It's not a company people know very well because it's entirely B2B, but they uh, it's the software with which all of the airplanes in the world are designed with with. 80% of all cars, about 70% of all consumer goods. So basically, this is the software that designs the, the physical world around us. And we're at a stage in history where uh, our planetary systems are basically collapsing, and we have probably less than 10 years to change the way we produce goods and consume goods. And so I made a conscious choice to go back into the corporate world and try to sort of move this company um, thinking that if you can move this company, you can move the manufacturing industry globally. And this, there's very little time to move it. And this is maybe one of the one of the enablers to get that done. So I took that job and being conscious of, you know, this is going back into a corporate structure. There are pros and cons to that. You know, it's a, it's a well-paid job. It's interesting, but you know, you're you're. I am a spokesperson for the company as well, and that's you know that's part of that's part of the the decision I made was to think I can have possibly I think and I hope more impact in this position than I could on the outside. But yeah, that comes. It, it, but that's life. It's it's a series of trade offs and and decisions, and you have to just know yourself and know what you can handle and what you can't. Thanks, Alice. That's a, I must say, it's so impressive. I, I'm not going to put that in the recording afterwards, but just to hear you <laughs> say it so simply in a few words, just the impact of the the, the job that you pick. That's really something. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you about mentoring now. D- during our, our talks together, actually, over a very nice bottle of wine that we shared, <laughs> the three of us, you've told us about the importance of mentors in your life. If I remember right, uh, you were given advice by one of your mentors to return to France and to, 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 to continue your career there, although you did not have a very, very positive experience in France the very first time. That's <laughs> the very first year. time, yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously, uh, mentors do play a big role in your life. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, and I sort of have a funny relationship with... Um, with the term mentor, actually, because the, those, the people in my life who gave me like really, really good advice like that, like you should, if you want to do sustainability, look back in Europe, were not necessarily people in mentor roles. It was people I ran into and asked them for advice. They gave me advice and I thought it made sense and I followed it and it made all the difference. And the difference between somebody who, who is credible, legitimate in the field and gives good advice versus a mentor is something that yeah, I, I sort of struggle with because I'm I'm not sure I ha- I have had real what I would call mentors in my life. I've had people in my life for whom I have enormous admiration, and 
then I've had people in my life who've given me good advice, but these weren't really formal mentorship roles. And, and I say that just because I know there's a lot of, um, in corporations, there's a lot of work on sort of mentoring women. And I have really mixed feelings about that, actually, partially because I don't think it's the women that need the mentoring. And I think that's very often the way it's seen is like, let's, let's help the women fit into this corporate system when actually it's the corporate system that needs to change and not the other way around. So, so I kind of am uncomfortable with the word mentoring and, and there, and I don't, yeah, I don't, I also am very, I think that's sort of a personality thing. I'm actually very hard to impress. (laughs) So it's not like I'm like, wow, you know, you know, everybody is doing what they can. And, and, and I, I'm a huge believer. It's why I mentioned I was so privileged in the beginning. I am a huge believer in chance in life. And I, I think that's part of a worldview also about sort of whether, you know, I'm very conscious of the fact that I am where I am today because also I was born in a certain situation and I knew certain people and I went to certain schools, you know, that whole, that, that's part of a worldview about sort of equality issues, I think, and whether, you know, whether people merit the wealth they have, whether people, whether it's hard work that's gotten them there or not. And I actually am a believer in the fact that a lot of this is luck. And there's a lot of research to show that a lot of this is pure luck um, or birthright or whatever you want to call it. So that, that's, that informs my own perspective on sustainability issues and social issues. But that also, in terms of my personal interactions, means I'm, yeah, I'm very hard to impress. Like, I don't put people in different categories. Uh, I think we're all sort of the same. We do what we can. Some people are luckier than others. Lots of people work very hard and don't succeed, and lots of people work very hard and they do succeed. And so I, I kind of the concept of a mentor as being sort of the source of wisdom is something I, I have trouble with uh, also. <laughs> so anyway, so maybe the mentor question wasn't for me. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe it's about being in a comfort zone where you feel that it's completely normal to ask people for an advice. Maybe that's just yeah. what it's about. And I ask, I ask a lot of people for advice. And I think having a really strong network around you of people you know who work, and you guys know this because you're very good at this also, but people you know around you who do di- very different things, very interesting things, they help you just, yeah, be sort of enrich your own life in an amazing way. And then they're there if you have questions. And I, I am a big believer. I mean, I every time something crosses my mind, I reach and I reach out to people I don't know. I reach out on LinkedIn all the time to people I don't know and said, I read this. It made me think of that, this question, do you know a resource I could use or something I should read? Or And people are amazingly generous with, with advice and time. And so, you know, in some ways, everybody can be a mentor. It just depends on what question you have. The world is your mentor. The world is my mentor. <laughs> I love that. That was amazing. And I agree that like women definitely don't need to be mentored <laughs> as such because that's just like what are we like yeah. pigeons that we need to learn how to work it's really it's rough yeah yeah but I love that you took that on that's yeah. fantastic so Alice how does sustainability play out in your day-to-day life can we adopt principles in, as individuals that can impact change for example I know that you were offered a corporate car with your job that you turned down Can you say more? Because I'm sure like for some of us, that's hard to do as we weigh the convenience of something, an asset like that versus our principles on sustainability. How do we tackle that? Any advice you have? Well, I mean, some of it's just about habit, right? So like, 
there are things I just never got in the habit of having or doing. And then, you know, sort of why change? Like I had gotten used to using public transportation when I moved to Paris. So, so, you know, the default answer doesn't have to be, well, yes, now I'm going to take this car if I was doing perfectly fine without it. I think though, you know, there's a lot of, I, I certainly am not an example of sustainable living. There are people who are much more attentive to their choices than I am. I mean, I try to do what I can, but it, it, you know, I'm like everybody else. It's when you study sort of sustainability and consumers, there's, it's just, there are huge amounts of, of sort of paradoxes in, in behavior. So, you know, people will recycle every scrap of paper they have and eat no meat, but will fly all over the world for conferences. And, and everyone is a little bit like that. There's, there's, inconsistency in sort of all of our choices and it has to do with, you know, just sort of personally what's important to us and what's happening at that moment. And, you know, like I have small children and they only eat certain things. So I am not doing my sustainable diet. I think Alexia is much better at that than I am, but I have not been able to do that. And because it's just like, I, I, I don't want to fight with the kids and stuff like that. So, so I, I yeah, I don't think, I, I think what's dangerous is the expectation that, you know, you need to sort of, I think the guilt associated, you know, for people who care about the environment and stuff, I think the the guilt associated with not making the right choices is pretty um, useless, actually. And, and there's been, I mean, on a macro level scale, there was a big push for many years saying kind of you can save the planet, right? So each one of us can make a difference and we can save the planet. And what's interesting is like COVID-19 shows us that that's absolutely not true. So the entire economy was shut down, right? Completely for several months globally. And we still will only barely by the end of this year, if we're lucky, meet the, 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 the CO2 reduction targets that have been set globally to, to avoid a sort of a climate catastrophe of more than a two degree increase in heat. So even, you know, you shut down the entire economy and we barely make that target, which gives you both an idea of what we can do and of what we can't do. And so for many years, there was this message that often came from corporates about, we, you are the actors of sustainability, you, you are the consumers, you make the choices. And so it's up to you to sort of save the world. And actually, that's shifting responsibility and accountability in a really unfair way to individuals. This is this, you know, sustainability problems we're facing today are systemic policy issues. We need to change the way we produce energy. We need to change the way we move. We need to change the way we grow food. We, you know, these are really fundamental, huge, large-scale policy issues. And no individual is going to do that. I, so I think there's a pushback now in the sustainability community against the messaging that it's up to the consumer uh, to change. Because actually, it's, it's not. It's up to the system to change. It's up to the policymakers to change, the legislators, uh, the corporates, the financial community, et cetera. That's what needs to change in order to get the scale of sustainability we're looking for. What individual action does, which is why I also take a bike, et cetera, aside from the fact that I like it, what individual action does is just raise awareness amongst the people around you to say that this matters to me, so maybe it should matter to you. And, and I care about it, so maybe you should too. And that's what shifts policy in the end, right? Because vote, voters become more conscious about it, and then they start acting 
on those beliefs and they, they translate those into the choices they make um, also for in terms of policy, et cetera. So that's, that's where the power of the consumer is. So it's not, did I recycle that piece of plastic as much as do I talk to people about the importance of eliminating plastic in our lives? And, and that has a ripple effect around us. So I would avoid the guilt part, but do think about each individual as a spokesperson for change, because I think that is what shifts culture and then what shifts policy after that. <laughs> you do it for me, Macron. You do it for me. All That's the right. Who cares anymore? Yeah. <laughs> no, but at least it's, uh, uh, for me, honestly, I see it as be actually understanding the politics that I'm voting for, actually understanding yeah. what, I, what I read and just, yeah. you know, if I can apply it to myself, if I can try to understand why yeah. I can't apply or why I find it difficult, it's, yeah. it's like a micro level to get to the bigger, bigger, bigger. It is. And I, and I don't want to, I, yeah, I don't want to minimize that because that's, that's like a personal change path also. You know what I mean? So it, it's very powerful from that perspective, but less from the actual you know, whether this idea that was really pushed by, by corporates quite a lot, that like if every consumer bought one less package of milk a year, that would change the market. It's just, it's not true. It's not true. The problems are too big and too complicated. So again, but I don't want to minimize it in the sense that it's about awareness raising and it's about personal change and personal commitment. And those things do make a difference because that's, that's that's how that's how you reach the tipping point. That is the tipping point. You don't need fifty percent of the people. You need ten percent of the people who are active, engaged, and talk about it to change policy and to change to create really large scale change. And the, and I th so I don't want to minimize it. But it, yeah, the the idea of you know, I mean, I do things all the time that are not the right choices, and I know it. You know, and it's like people do what they can do, you know, and you, and, and I have a lot of flexibility because I have enough money to do what I, you know, the cho make the choices I, I want to make. Generally speaking, most people don't have that choice either. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky topic. Balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've heard those words like personal change path and tipping point. And, you know, it's that moment that I love. It's the moment for the question that we ask to all of the people that we interview on this podcast. This is 40. Tell me then, what is 40 to you? Yeah. So 40 to me, I think you guys wanted one word, but I don't have one word. I have, it's two words, but I think for me, 40 is really sort of the no bullshit uh, decade of, of your life. It's like you've seen enough and you've understood enough to be like, you know, let's only spend time on things that matter and let's stop the, yeah, let's stop some of the bullshit. And that's certainly, in the case, that's certainly where I am <laughs> today. <laughs> for, 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 the, for better or worse, that's sort of where I am today. Maurice, you want to take it from there? I love it. That was powerful. <laughs> Straight to the point. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Next one. So Alice, where can people find you? I know that you're on LinkedIn. Um, where, where can people find you? And we'll link to this in our show notes. Uh, yeah, I, well, I do. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I, some of that is picked up on Twitter, but I've sort of uh, winding down my, my Twitter activity. So LinkedIn's probably, LinkedIn is where I post a lot of articles I find interesting or ideas uh, I come across in, uh, around sustainability. So I'd be happy to have connections. Uh, 
uh, with your audience via LinkedIn. Sounds Thanks. Great. Thanks, Alice. And, and is there any life-changing book or I'm not going to say mentor, but I'm going to say mind expander, <laughs> like somebody that you often turn to again, like a person or a book and that you would like to share with the audience here? Are there any books, Alice, that you want you you would recommend that people read and we can connect those to for like newbies? So people just new to I read huge amounts of articles, uh, like lots of news, but very few books anymore. And no audiobooks that you get to listen to while you're on your bicycle? Oh my, <laughs> too dangerous. That's too dangerous. dangerous. Oh, really? The Paris Street's dangerous? <laughs> oh yeah, I see people doing that and I'm like, that is so crazy. Like yeah. you will just get squished in two seconds. Yeah, it was a very, I wish I had had my, like a camera or something. Well, actually I was on my own bicycle, so it would have been too dangerous also. But I was once, I was behind this woman not far from here who it was such a Parisian thing. Like she was on a bicycle, but was like wearing, I don't know, even know, like a leopard skin dress <laughs> and high heels. Oh my God, and I she, see that all the time. And she was taught all this bicycle and she was talking on the phone and smoking. And I was like, this is the most Parisian like biker I've ever seen. This is unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. And of course, like no helmet. Or, but it was, she was like the most, yeah, it was like she was straight out of a 1940s film, but on her bike. It was so funny. It was so funny. Not and everybody hel- looks like that in Paris. Right. Of course. We all, we all look like that. So, but I was like, wow. I mean, you know, like it's kind of totally irresponsible, but it was really impressive. I was very impressed with this. <laughs> All she was missing was a small dog. I think, yeah, people exactly. Like a dog in the dogs. basket. Like, what yeah. are you doing with that small with dog? That, dog? that dog's everywhere. And, yeah. a ch- and a child on the back seat, of course. Yeah. Right. Looking very No helmets. Cheap. No helmets. No. <laughs> but I like, you know, I was one of the, I was like first person to sign up for Vailib or something. And they gave out this brochure. There, there's a book that just came out that's called Green Swans by a very famous person in the sustainability field about sort of unexpected breakthrough innovations that can change the sustainability landscape. So that one, it's by somebody named John Elkington, who's very well known in this space. And then I have actually the woman who runs the agency I mentioned, where her employees are struggling with their husbands. She wrote a book, which is about individual engagement. So that's sort of like their thing is like lifestyle change and the power of that. And that's called Happy Heroes. And that's about, there's a lot of research about how, you're not going to be surprised by by this, but how altruism um, actually makes you happier, right? So volunteering is mostly good for you. It makes you feel good about yourself. And so, I mean, it's also good for other people, but it's, it has a real positive impact on your own life. And so there's a bunch of examples around that, around individuals getting engaged. And it's called The Happy Hero by Sally Tyre Townsend. And she's a good friend of mine, so I'm happy to promote her <laughs> book. Okay. Oh, I did meet someone who is very cool in New York recently. And she's done that. She's like left, she has her own Ted talk, of course, but she left sort of corporate work and is doing a lot around women and leadership and stuff like that. She's a pretty amazing woman. Her name's Lorna Davis. And she used to run a division of Dannon. And now she's a B Corp, the benefits corporation. She's a B Corp ambassador. And she has her own, she did a Ted talk on leadership also. And she started doing, yeah, like these work, shops with with women about leadership and it's it's she's she's very impressive that woman 
Yeah, she's very funny. Yeah, we had a, lot, a long conversation about how the leadership models, I think I, maybe I shared with you guys, it's on my LinkedIn page anyway, about how we can't achieve the sustainability agenda basically because we hire the wrong people to be in charge of organizations because we tend to hire charismatic narcissists. Like that's actually a like a thing, like we tend to choose charismatic narcissists as, as leaders. And, and those people are particularly poorly equipped to care about sustainability issues. And so we had this, I had a long conversation with Lorna Davis about that. And she's, yeah, she's really interesting. Yeah, and she managed to impress you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alice. Thank this you, guys. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys. Take care, bye. That was an amazing episode. Alice is just so impressive. Like this conscientious, amazing superhero trying really hard to make us all aware of our own roles in climate change and in improving our environment and doing it by being a true example. So heads up, if you're in Paris, pay attention while you're out on the street driving because there are bikers and cyclists like Alice. And if you're cycling, well, Look out for Alice, like safely, obviously, um, and say hello. And if you're not on our Facebook community, please come say hi. If you're not on Instagram, join us. Share this with a friend. Share it with friends who are concerned about the climate, the environment. Um, this is pretty much all of us. But if you have people who aren't aware, this is a great place for them to find out more. Alice is super active on her LinkedIn profile and she posts articles that are knowledgeable and actually actionable too. So I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes and say au revoir for this week and see you again next week. Bye guys. Hello, this is 40 People. How are you guys? You know what? I think that we should all get a big clap on our backs, a big shout out, a big whatever, because I literally checked the numbers, like literally, and we are at 1,050 downloads. Say what? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Can you imagine? (laughs) This tiny show that we literally thought there would be like our moms listening. And now, you know, we're getting this, we have this little community. People are turning 40. They're writing and calling in. It's very, very sweet. So it's exciting. And thank you everyone for showing up and for being excited about it and, you know, sharing it with your friends and all of that stuff. And then today's episode, we're going to have an amazing guest. Her name is Alice, and Alexia is going to talk about her in a bit. But we also have some other exciting news for you. One is This is 40 is going to be traveling a bit. So it's going to go, we're going to go and do features in different countries. And I don't want to give too much away because we haven't signed and dotted and done all of this stuff yet. But One of our first countries is going to be Japan. And I thought, you know, we'll be doing the same kind of format, speaking with people who are in these countries who've turned 40 and have lived a life that maybe took them across the oceans at different points of time, but they've got something happen at 40. And I want to show that we have a commonality. There's more to us that binds us, that separates us. And it's exciting to hear from people 
all the way across the world who have pretty much the same issues as you do, the same joys, right? That's exciting. And then Alexia, oh, well, actually one of us has a book deal and that one person is going to have something to say about it. Alexia? Uh, thanks, Ruth. I would just say, I've just when you mentioned that the podcast is going to be traveling around the world, I just had all these beautiful images of travels around the world. When was the last time we did that, right? Oh, this is so, so exciting. Yeah, I won't be traveling with the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's as good as it gets these days, okay? It's as good as it gets. Yeah, so... I did get a book deal. My book is out just this week and it's going crazy. Uh, it's it's my very first book. So it's a very new experience for me. Did not quite realize just how much work it was going to, to take. You know, the fact that the other elements in my businesses are really, really requiring a lot of my attention these days. You know that you'll have an extra, extra listener for the next few years. You can count on me. And well, I guess... That's a small goodbye. Well, you know, you're going to be coming back. Like, I have the feeling we'll be interviewing <laughs> you. In, like, I'd like that. I'd like that. I'm 40, you guys. I've got I know. Well. 